Welcome to our podcast here at Hope United Church. To access the live stream of our services, along with other resources and information, please visit www.hopeunited.org.uk. This morning I, I, I spoke much again about, uh, and I would ask you again, I mentioned it there, please get a chance to listen to that. In fact, the whole, the whole section and this Holy Spirit stuff, I think, no, you keep listening, you'll get great benefit. No, um, I know I need to get through my notes. I get through my notes during the week and I look and I intently and learning and continue to draw from it. Uh, it's, it's amazing how we can be so convicted by God's word on a Sunday and yet don't look at it again until next Sunday. You know, you're like, what have you done all week? You know, rather than thinking somehow we'll remember it and we won't. And remember when I spoke about John Calvin, he would get up early in the morning and study. Then he would go and learn all day. Then he'd be up to the wee small hours learning what he wrote. And then he got up the following morning early to remember what he said today and what he'd studied the day before, before he then repeated his whole life. Uh, and no wonder that man, no, he was just a walking theologian, wasn't he? He was the theologian, as Philip Melanchthon says. Uh, but then I mentioned this this morning, the... Uh, in our own persuasive words, we spent some time in how we convict the world of sin before we went into the last part, and not by our own persuasive words and man's wisdom. And for many, is that that's probably the teaching that you were round about before you became to you know Reformed theology. It was man's wisdom and man's ideas. Thinking it would stir you for a bit, wouldn't it? Just not for very long, though. Uh, but Apostle Paul, of course, he, he never used persuasive words, pathos, to entice man by emotion. To entice man or patho. No, it depends on the, how it's wrote and indicative, but uh, patho to, or pathos is really a, uh, to entice man by emotion. To, to kind of stir man into compassion and a feeling. Oh, when he used to prepare sermons, it would always be right, you need to get them to feel this, as if it was something that you were saying, as if it was something that you could somehow do. Um, but it's only through, as we know, the power of the Holy Spirit that convict this world. Hendrickson says this, I loved this this morning. How can those who think so lightly of sin serve as agents of the Holy Spirit in the work of bringing others under the conviction of their sin? And therefore, until we are convicted of our own sin and our own wretchedness and, and really get a clear understanding of that, then how can we truly lead someone else and how can we preach boldly um, the sins in someone else, you know? And the church for years have then, they've so changed that because we don't talk about sin. Sin's almost, it's pathetic to say it, it's no trendy as if it's a trend, as if sin's a trendy word. Uh, and what we've done in the churches is that people don't no longer preach the gospel or convict others of sin because they don't know the depth of their own sin. And when you don't know the depth of your own sin truly, then you don't know the level of grace in which you've received. So it's really an attack on the gospel message of grace. If you don't know the level of your sin, then how can you be grateful for what you've been rescued for? Or rescued from. And it's in that knowing your own depravity that you really taste and see that the Lord is good, isn't it? That you see what you've been rescued from. Therefore, what do you want to give others? The same thing. But yet in the church we've gave so little attention to um, that work and the work of the Holy Spirit to convict the world of sins. First convicting herself uh, through holy evangelism that Jesus bestowed upon us that we turn the gospel into some modern uh, outreach where it's nothing more than acceptance. Acceptance and good deeds and good works. If that's the case, then we don't need the church. We just need to have a charity. We just need to open a charity shop and just do nice things. And But that won't convict MD of their sin. But we, we're convinced it is. We're convinced it is, and I, I, I was convinced of it. And really, when I look back, do you know what the problem was? I was ashamed of the gospel. I was ashamed of the gospel that I made it charitable deeds. 
because I was ashamed and I was embarrassed and I was, I was made to stumble because I was ashamed of the gospel. That was the real issue. Okay, let's read the final passage as we, we, we close this tonight. I still have many things. We, we just really touched on verse 12 <coughs> this morning. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now for. However, when the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. First, Jesus tells the disciples he has many things to say. We talked at length, uh, but at this time they cannot bear it. Bastardo, uh, meaning... Uh, to to take up and to carry. It's, but at that time, they, did, they were weak in their faith. They, they never had the Holy Spirit. So therefore, they couldn't carry all that Jesus had for them. And oh, and we even know that in the early stages of our, our, our journey and our life and our walk with God, that there's, there's so much you can handle, isn't there? You know, this is why it says in Scripture, isn't it? The, reason, the reason I gave you milk is you were not ready for the meat of the word, you would choke on it. Um, and we see that played out today, uh, about this not being able to carry stuff in the charismatic word of faith people, where it's not the word that they're bearing, but some other idea. In fact, we see it in almost every sphere of church I mentioned this morning. Uh, personal revelations, it's not, what is this that's been withheld? As if it's some other piece of knowledge that Jesus is withholding that's somehow out with who he is. No, speaking new things, isn't it? Uh, no, God is doing a new thing. You know, you hear all this all the time. God is doing a new thing. Fresh downloads. Oh, I just did a, what is that? I just did a fresh download uh, as another man. Fresh manna from heaven. Really? But you couldn't have ate what was there for hundreds of years, thousands of years, you're looking for new food. Also, uh, talking of things that Jesus have never mentioned. Jesus here, he says, he's here to bring things to remembrance. Remember he says that about the Holy Spirit? To bring these things into remembrance. Uh, unfortunately, what we see in the church today is, is it's no things into remembrance, it's a whole new thing. I don't know how they can, I don't know how Jesus can bring that into remembrance. Say, Jesus must be like, I never even said that. I don't know why you're remembering that. This is getting nothing to do with what I've ever taught you. No, give us new weird things. Jesus is bringing all that is known to them, not things never known. I'm going to bring things that nobody's ever known. It's the secret. Taking you into a secret place. Kenneth Copeland's uh, a cracker for this. Of course he's a cracker for this. He's trying to make as much money as he can, isn't he? Uh, He's, he's uh, his, his study Bible, I, I remember teaching at a college one time and all the students said, again, of Copeland study Bibles. You can tell it, it was definitely a one gig shot. Uh, and he, he got fresh revelation about, in Luke 5, uh, the rich young ruler. You know the rich young ruler? He got fresh revelation. Tells you in his Bible study that he got fresh revelation, new man of heaven, that it was never about, it was that the guy rejected. He had millions but he rejected, you can go and read it up yourself. No, I'm paraphrasing, but this is what it's really saying. But he rejected the opportunity for billions. Re 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 really? Really, Kenny? He rejected the opportunity for billions. Oh. And then he professed to tell everybody in the room that he was a billionaire. Oh, crazy. Jesus is here to bring us the things he known what he's taught and what he's said and who, whom he is. No things that's never been known. No new revelation. And I've seen, I've seen this that I've never seen before. No, no, Nannies have ever seen it before. It's different when it's illuminating the word and you go, you know what, I've never seen that and it's taught. And I, now I see it for what it is and you remember it and it's God's word because you're exegeting the word. But, but creating a new thing that's out with God's word is not what the Holy Spirit's purpose is. 
I remember by a message with someone who said, somebody well known, and he said, the reason Jesus never done it before is because nobody asked. <laughs> really? It's never been done before. Why has that never been done before? It was in regards to the centurion guard. Just say your word, Jesus, and you can go forth and my, my, my centurion, my, my, my friend will be healed. You don't even need to come. Never been done before. Now that's fine if you're just sharing that scripture. It's when you start adding saying, Jesus is now going to do loads of new things that you've never asked before. You ha and then you add the scripture, didn't you? You have not because what? <laughs> really? It's amazing when you just pull the wee things and you don't add anything to them, how, how much sense they make. Uh, and then D. Carson writes, what the, Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit brings is nothing more than the filling out of the revelation of Jesus. Just the filling out. It's not something else. It's just in the early days with the, here with the disciples, the, the new stuff. And, and, and as we come to know Christ, there's things you know. And the Holy Spirit then starts to fill it out, doesn't it? He starts to paint the full picture of who Christ is. It's not another Jesus you get. It's just an expanse of the Jesus of the word. The disciples of Besaid were limited based on their flesh, their immaturity, their lack of faith, but based on no yet receiving the Holy Spirit. If Paul, as I said this morning, was determined, Crano was determined to know nothing. And that word determined to know nothing, is, as I mentioned this morning, as he's like he's like taking himself to a court and so it's now when we say the scripture, I determined to know nothing except Christ. And you just think it's a flip, out, a flip out statement. I just determined to know nothing as if you didn't have to make any effort. As if the word determined didn't. Have you ever says this, I'm determined to eat healthy this week? I've got toes up here. I don't know what you're laughing at. Right? I'm determined. It's amazing how undetermined I can get when I'm hungry. I can get frighteningly undetermined. Yeah, because determined is just a fling out statement. I'm determined to know nothing. Or other scriptures say resolved, it's the same thing. I determined to know nothing, Crano, I determined to know nothing except Christ and him crucified. And it doesn't just mean a statement. It means that Paul is intently went to town making sure that there's nothing of him in the message. Nothing of him. Not a iota. My, my brother Bruce asked us a question this morning. He says, how do we differentiate? And Bruce asked great questions. He says, what if I get knowledge? What if I've got understanding? How do I know that's no for me? And no, it's a, a different kind of subject. How do I know that there's no too much of me in that? And Well, of course, when you get revelation of the word, you want to share it because you're enthusiastic. Of course, yeah. And it's a good question. I, I suppose the answer, and I mean, Bruce spoke, part of the answer would be as is, what are you hoping to achieve? Often when we come with our ideas, we've already decided what we want people to, I'm going to tell them that and I'll be hoping that's what happens, you know. You have things in mind and you have a result in mind. And I don't know that Paul, the only result that Paul had in mind was, I hope they come to know Christ. The result's up to the Lord. In order to kind of remove our agenda or desires or make it about us it's important that we determine that we we go to town that we labor in the word and the more we labor in the word the less it becomes about us and the more it becomes about him and the more into it we are about why would we think we could what the only way that we think that we could give people something that would be beneficial is if we really don't know how powerful Jesus is if you just simplify it like that, as if there's something in us that would be beneficial to the world. If you're getting new downloads, therefore, it ain't the Holy Spirit. New downloads ain't the Holy Spirit. Yes, God is way more for us than we can bear, but it's already here. We've just not yet had the full revelation of it, or the disciples certainly hadn't at this time. However, that more, that more that you don't have, 
Remember, you ever go to the prayer queues and it'd be more, more, more. You ever in one of them? Oh my goodness, I remember getting saved. I remember getting saved. I was saved. I go to this church. Didn't know any church. Women's takes me to this charismatic church. So I'm in Glasgow. I hadn't even part of a church. It was in a school. You, you, you were there, weren't you? Right. So, uh, so we're there and. Em, do you want prayer? Well, I'm up for anything. I was desperate. I just wanted Mary God, and I really did want Mary God. So if they were saying we're handing out Mary God, I'm right in the queue. I'm like, I'll have more of him. Thank you. And this guy, more, 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 more. And you hear people going like, I can't take any more. I, I, I never get anything. I can't take any more. Stop it. Stop it. It's too powerful. It's too stop but don't say more. Look at him, he's already having an epileptic fit. I never get in and never mind more. Pretending you have more. Pressing my foot against the shove. Well, I better press against this, this guy's. And the guy's desperate and you almost see it. And that. When I look back, you can see it and you're going, he's devastated that I've no get any, never mind more. He's devastated. He's devastated. It's destroying him. It's destroying him that I'm not feeling it. So rather than him deal with it, no being the Holy Spirit, guess whose fault it is? Yeah, correct. My, my fault. It's my fault for no receiving more because there's a blockage. It's abuse, isn't it? It's abuse. That more is not with... Who Jesus is? Let me ask a question here. It's Sunday night, so we can be a bit relaxed. You ever seen Jesus cutting about like a snake? No. What about planking? You ever seen Jesus planking? Oh. Whatever it is you do. I don't know what planking, but you do that, don't you? you ever, I've, cause I've, seen, I've seen people Holy Spirit planking. Have you seen it? Yeah, I've seen Holy You seen Jesus Holy Spirit planking? Cannot be the Holy Spirit then. The Holy Spirit is only here to testify what? Who Jesus is and what he's done. He does not plank. He's never planked. What about clicking like a chicken? You seen that? <laughs> Kenneth Hagen. Kenneth Hagen. Heretic. We were up in Dundee in the beginning. We just heard the word, and I says, Kenneth Hagen was a heretic. This guy's just, he's, and he still fell out with me, yeah. He's his hero. I says, He's a heretic. And then, my, and with that, we were able to, I was able to share. I says, Why don't you go and read some of this stuff? And I'll prove that this is, is no the Holy Spirit. Pew, pew, pew. Pewing away. Because I remember, do you remember? Do you remember in John 4 when Jesus met the woman at the well? No, dear dear. Met the Samaritan woman who was coming at 12 o'clock to wash her clothes. Hello. Pew. I know it sounds like we're grieving the Holy Spirit here, but I'm trying to just let you know how far away this is for the word. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not wanting to grieve the Holy Spirit here and, and mock this stuff in a way, but I'm letting you know the idiocy the, the, the of it. Think about it. The crazy things. None of that. If Jesus hasn't done it, ain't the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Seriously. It's, it's actually that simple to measure it. So you're like, ah, how do you know if it's the Spirit? Dead easy. Has Jesus done it? No, it's no. There, there, that's it. That's, that's room 101. That's dead simple. You can teach that in Sunday school. Jesus never planked. More so-called believers feeling. No, do you know what they're doing? Because believers are now what? So-called. They're feeling their way through life. I'm feeling my way through life. Yeah. Can't you trust a single feeling, didn't you know? I always say this story. A guy had a feeling once that a horse was going to one. He says, I had this feeling the horse was going to one. I says, did you put money on it? He says, I put £200 on it. He says, did it one? He says, no, it was fourth. It's just a feeling. They don't mean anything. You have to test them against the word, don't you? Walking through their Christian walk without standing on the sufficiency of Scripture. 
when we have limited abilities to fully comprehend the word, it's not an opportunity. And this is the problem that happens in the church. We can't get patient. J.C. Ryle says, this is why we need to be patient. When we don't fully comprehend the word. You know, do you know what the devil lives to fill? Voids. You just need to find a void in your life and you'll see the devil trying to fill it. And in the early stages of your Christianity, in the early stages of your walk, there are voids, there's, there's limits to what we know. There's limits to what the, even, even with the Holy Spirit in the early days. And what happens is that void in the church, in the modern church, they can't cope. They can't, because they want to make the church massive. Right, they want to get numbers. They want everybody to turn up. They want everybody to be super duper excited. So therefore, they can't be patient and diligent in the word, which takes time. So they need to go and manufacture something that will speed it up. And this is where the devil operates. He operates right in the places where they know and I'll be able to create a false god. I'll be able to create an emotion that people will pursue and that'll fill the whole void. Because people can't wait. Can you remember when you first got saved? You just wanted everything, didn't you? Right away, everything. Doesn't he operate that way? It takes time. So what do they do? They fill it with feelings. That's what happens. They start to fill it with feelings and emotions. And it looks nothing like the Holy Spirit. It looks nothing like the church. It looks absolutely nothing like the church. Rather than the Spirit, each and every day illuminating the Word, yeah? they teach in a way that starts to illuminate the senses. So it's not the Word that's getting illuminated, it's your senses. A sense. No, that's what, you're like. you know what, what does the Word say? I don't know what the Word says. But a sense, I don't care what you sense, but a, a, a sense of feeling. You, you remember that stuff? And I, and I read, sorry, it's North Lancashire, and I read neck. A sense, there's some, a sense of feeling. Well, I'm not worried about it, I don't care what you sense. And that sense now becomes truth. And what happens is they start to furnish, now they're trying to furnish that sense, if you like. I was at a conference and there were a woman got up and speak. She had not, she shouldn't have been there to speak in the first place. Um, but she was there to speak and she got up and she had nothing. You knew she, I knew within three minutes she had nothing in her notes. So she decided to go gung-ho. She decided to start asking the room, what's your name? What's your name? Where are you from? What is it? And, and she's waiting a reaction. What's your name? Where are you from? So and so. I'm, I'm sensing. You've a... Uh, You've got a bright future. So random. I mean, you can't get around there. You've got a bright future. No kidding. Okay? So it's, it's so no bespoke that you know it can could, it could apply to anybody. And what it's doing is, is it's just drawn in the senses. And then you've got, because people, especially in the early days, they're just desperate. God's got a word for you. Oh, oh. I see. And you're just desperate for it. Rather than the spirit illuminating the word, it's illuminating your emotion. Rather than patiently and diligently allowing the word to be brought to maturity, it's stirring up flesh. I don't know about you, but some of you have experienced this, and I don't know how it was for you, and I'll try and... I don't want to be the star of the story here. Just to remember, if I go back to three, just over three and a half years ago, when we had a reformation in this church, I remember when I started listening. Can, can you remember, Misty's, Can you remember when you started listening to different speakers? Now I don't know about you at first. I didn't cartwheel because my senses and emotions were warped. My senses and emotions. I was looking for sugar. Instantly, and sometimes I was getting it was too sour at first. I'm going, No, something like you need to listen to this guy, he is in fire. And then I'm like, Hello, <laughs> I'm like, I'm not, come on, I'm not feeling it. I'm looking, come on, 
So you listen to Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, like, he is amazing. So I started listening to Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, I'm like, and, and this is what happened. And I'm not saying I was like, but it's as if because the word wasn't getting taught and because the Holy Spirit was never exegeted properly and my emotions, I was just constantly getting fed sugar lollipops. That's the only way I can describe it. It was like, every time I went to church, I was getting a kind of monster. Do you know what I mean? And now I'm having to go, oh, I'm trying and, and my mind, I can honestly say, my mind and my will, my emotions, had to be trained, I had to be trained almost to unpack this constant stirring flesh. Do you know what I'm talking about? And then you start hearing, you go, this is different. It's a bit easier, I don't mean this, it's a bit easier for me because I'm a bit of a fireball anyway, but... The, but when you're listening to these guys, it just took, it took time. My feelings were so at the forefront of where I listened for. That it took me time to really, admit. of course the word's alive and you start to hear and go, that makes sense and you're getting convicted, you're getting convicted. But I was used to listen for your feelings point of view. And no labouring in the word, line upon line, precept upon precept. I wasn't used to that in my even mind. It was an alien concept. Isn't that scary? Because it wasn't feeding my flesh. But it was starting to feed almost instantly my soul. So I had to... When you start to sit under the word, people, you're having a, you're changing a habit. It's, you really are changing a habit. Yeah, I'm not the opposite. I was talking to Audrey a few weeks ago. She's like, I can't listen to that anymore. It was as blunt as that. I wasn't even, there was not even any, I can't even listen to that anymore. I'm the, I'm the exact same. I'm repulsed when I listen to that stuff now. It's got the opposite effect as soon as I start to hear that. It's just like, oh, goodness. I mean, you put on Stephen Furtick and he's jumping about with a water pistol. I'm just like, I cannot abide that. I'm like, I'm looking for a real gun. <laughs> I'm like, it's not a water pistol he needs, it's a real gun. Non-exegetical preaching now just kills you. Don't you think? In a different way, you're just like, oh, no. Just does not feed you at all. You may ask, but but you know baptizing the spirit, Mark. Could have asked that. But you know baptizing the spirit. Yeah, it was. Like every true believer is at the minute they're the minute they're saved. But as much as I could understand the word to the to the extent of the spirit and understanding how the spirit works in the word and what I was taught was a different thing. Because it was taught everything beyond the word or outside the word. Verse 13 says, However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide us into all truth, for he will not speak in his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you the things to come. And it's important. The spirit will guide you to truth. There's a guiding of the spirit to truth. It does guide, and for any is on a journey, this is why it's important. Truth is a guiding light, isn't it? It's no, there is an instant revelation of your own depravity when you get saved, but there's still a, a guiding to truth. It's the spirit through the word that makes us see scripture in the proper context. Only that. Why is it some... I don't know if you remember the first thing you look at scripture, you go, that makes sense to me. I remember when I first got saved and I was like, maybe saved a weeks and I'm in, my, I'm in my house and I open up the scripture and I'm reading about Jesus. It says that he sent the disciples across the water and then he went to pray. And I remember reading that scripture and it all started to make sense. And they kept, there were landmarks throughout the scripture saying the boat was in the middle of the ocean. Then it was the fourth watch of the night. 
And then it says, Jesus came in the water and walked by. This is the first time I get real revelation in scripture. And I thought, my goodness, he departed about 12 in the day. It's at four in the morning, he's walking in water. He's been praying for about 18 hours. That was it. That's the only revelation I got. It was just like, it's like the light bulb moments, isn't it? That you have when the word becomes alive in your life. Why at that time, if I ask, because we kind of bring this in, why did, why did we have a reformation at that time in our church? Why did it happen? I've often tried. People have asked me to write books about it and everything. You need to write books. You need to document it. Because, no, you really need to go and write a book. Go, and, go even just a wee... That's a funny word, pamphlet, right? <laughs> even just a wee book. I can only put it down to one thing, really. It's God. Sovereign timing. That led us to be able to bear the truth. Really. The spirit of truth testified of, of error as I studied the word. That's what happened. It's that simple. The spirit then guided me as to truth. Within no space of time, I started listening to these guys and listening to true biblical preaching and then I start sharing it with the guys and before you know three and a half years ago it just starts but what was important and what's vital to tell you is that truth was no found in man's pathos it was no found in man's it was no found in man's preaching it was no found in man's it wasn't even a sermon I listened to it wasn't in a Stephen Furtick sermon. It wasn't in an Andy Stanley sermon. Certainly not. It wasn't, in a, it wasn't even in any of that. It was in studying the word. When I looked at the, the word for what it said and know what I wanted it to say, I think that's what happened. I just looked at the word for what it says, know what I wanted it to say. And these verses that I read were, as we know, for 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles 34, where what happened was, and I'll just be brief because we know the story, but it just adds to this and explains us a bit that we were taking an offering. I think we were building something outside. We were always going to do something, renovating something, renovating the building, doing it up, putting stuff outside for kids. So I thought, right, we're going to have a vision offering. Because, you know, we were one of the churches at the time had a vision every year. Uh, what about that in itself? I, I've not had a vision for three and a half years. I don't intend on having another one. Vision. Church vision. What about the churches that had a vision last February? What are they going to say about that? We had a vision last February that we're going to have this in March. All right, okay, but your church has not been open for a year, so they're that kiboshed. So I don't know where you take that theology. don't know where you take that. But anyway, the, we had this idea, and we're going, right, we're going to do stuff in the building, and it was all about, kind of, us, me, kind of going to study. thought, well, I'll bring a message in that. We'll bring a message and share it about the vision which led me to, you know, because it's a famous, well-known scripture about where you go and about Josiah and he was going to, he got the, he decided to restore the building and he did, wanted to restore the walls and he wanted to restore the, the temple, the church, back to its rightful place because it was left in ruin with persecution and all sorts of stuff. Let me for a moment just turn to these few scriptures. I just want to just share this. 2 Kings 22, 1 to 11. I'm going to read out these scriptures that I read. 2 Kings 22. They're paralleled in 2 Chronicles 34 as well. Same story, but just coming for a different context. But they're the same story. Josiah was eight years old when he became king. Had he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem, his mother's name was Jediah, the daughter of Adiah of Baxath. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord and walked all the ways of his father David. He did not turn aside to the right hand or the left. First thing you note here is how, as he grew, it says here that Josiah grew and he started to follow God. 
not man, not reaction. It says here that he followed after his father, David. David is not his father, but he's, he's the spiritual father. It's the house of David that he's following. The lineage of that. And David was what? A God after man's own heart. And he started to follow God. And this is what it's saying. He followed God. And he was not getting distracted with other things. And then it says in verse 7. Verse 37. Now it came to pass in the 18th year of King Josiah that the king sent to Shaphan uh, the scribe, the son of Azaliah, the son of Meshulam, to the house of the Lord, saying, Go up to Hilkiah the high priest, that he may count the money which he has been brought into the house of the Lord. So you can see why I was in this scripture. I'm thinking, This is great. This is a great vision offering scripture. So I'm in vision offering. I'm the one with the word saying, I'm in what I want to tell you. Okay, that's what's going on here. And this is what's going on in me. Great scripture for a vision offering. That's what I was. This is, that's what I was before I started reading it. Go up to Elkanah the high priest that he may count the money that has been brought to the house of the Lord which the doorkeepers have gathered for the people and let them deliver it into the hand of those doing the work who are the overseers in the house of the Lord. Let them give it to those who are in the house of the Lord doing the work to repair the damages of the house to the carpenters, the builders, the masons. We don't we mean stone masons. No, they mind rolling up your leg, trouser uh, leg and I'm not saying that's what they do. Um, to buy timber and hone stone to repair the house. However, they need be no accounting made with them of the money delivered into the hand because they deal faithfully. And this is uh, what we're doing. We were taking an offering for God's building. This one. And we had all these ideas and all the visions. We had the guys who were going to be doing the work. Do the repairs, to expand. And then I read this, as if it's none of my business. This is what I read next. Then Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan the scribe, I have found a book of the law in the house of the Lord. That's it. That is it. It's a game changer. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan and he read it. Now, I don't want to get into the details. I started on a study on why the book was hidden and why they'd buried the book of the law, which is the word of God. They know there were persecution came and they, they, they were running riots, so they decided to hide the word. So they were protecting the word. So, well, the world had started to saturate the church, if you like. And Elkiah gave the book to Shaphan and he read it. So Shaphan the scribe went to the king, bringing the king word saying, your servants have gathered the money that was found in the house. And it's like this, oh, we're doing all this, we're doing all this stuff. But where's the word? Your servants have gathered the money that was found in the house and have delivered it into the hand of those who do the work, who oversee the house of the Lord. Then Shivan described, showed the king, so he goes to Josiah and he shows the king the word of God. Hey, Hilkiah, the priest gave me a book. And then they start to open the word of God and, and, and Shivan starts to read the word of God to Josiah. Now it happened when the king heard the words of the book. It says that he tore his clothes. That's what happened to me. I found a book that was hidden behind all the doing. See, the word of God's hid behind all the doing. Instead of, instead of building the church for the purpose of the word. Everyone was getting done while the word was still hidden. And you look at the modern church today and it's not getting built to, to let the word shine. It's everything else that's shining while the word's hidden. Under a, in this, in this case it was under the floor. Hidden, buried in rubble. Now it happened when the king heard the words of the book that he tore his clothes. Hidden behind all that vision, all the ideas. So we had. But yet the word was buried and hidden in the church and like Josiah. And then this is what it means to rip your clothes and this is, it's not like, they did, but it's much deeper than that. 
It's like deep conviction in your heart. It goes beyond it and almost the rip in the clothes is, is almost, it's almost laying yourself bare. It's almost like the clothes are hiding shame and sin. You know, like, like, like the Adam and Eve, they covered themselves with clothes. And it's like tearing your clothes in one devastation, total conviction. Do you know what it's like? Your cover's blown. Your total cover is blown. No more stuff to hide behind. Nothing. Richard Sibbs who wrote, uh, well it's in Richard Sibbs' work, but he wrote the book. I never even knew this book was existed. I, was, I went to a Banner of Truth conference and I was, walk, I was walking through and it, there's a book called Josiah's Reformation. I thought, you couldn't even, I, I, I remember nearly cartwheeling when I seen this book, Josiah's Reformation. It's, it's part of his bigger works. But he says this, I'm just going to read it a wee tiny bit if you can, time's really gone. Page, there's a bit on page 87, page 88. This is what he says on the ripping the clothes and the tearing the clothes about Josiah. He says, the outward is easy and subject to hypocrisy. It is an easy matter to rend clothes and force tears. Wasn't it easy, isn't it easy to just look the part? But it's hard matter to afflict the soul. The heart of man take of the easiest ways and let the hardest alone. Is that not what we do in church? We take the easy way and leave the hardest alone? Thinking to place God with that, but God will not be served so. For he must have the inward afflictions or else we doth abhor the outward actions. Therefore let us as well labour for humble hearts, as humble jesters, we must rend our hearts and not our clothes. When we come into the presence of God, we must labour as to show humility. So to have humility that so we be not like hypocrites who make show of a great deal of devotion and courage, but yet have none in the heart. A great deal of outward humiliation whereas they had none within. And that's what we had. This outward, but none within, until the word is preached. Astounding. Only the word, only the Holy Spirit through the word can have that effect. It was simply the work of the Holy Spirit doing what? Leading us to all truth. Where was all that truth? Where was it? It's here. It's in the word of God. It's where all truth is. The word of God's enough. It's sufficient. All falsehood. You know what started to happen that day? Every bit of falsehood started to tumble. It was like a... As soon as the word becomes alive and sufficient, see all falsehood, it just... It's like a pack of cards. It's like the domino effect. They just go... Everything fell. Everything. Within, I would say, a day. And this is, this is an amazing testimony to men of God who, who God raises up. I'd, I'd, I'd listened to John MacArthur about... I listened to him about seven, eight years ago. I actually sent guys some I listened to seven, eight years ago and I remember watching it and finding ways to disagree with it. Right, Mark. Very good. Because he wasn't reaching the community with acceptance. That was my argument. It was pathetic. But anyway, within 24 hours, I started listening to John MacArthur. Just God led me to John MacArthur's teaching. I started listening to him instantly. I remember telling Dr. MacArthur, I says, this is what happened. I was telling him the story and I says, see within 24 hours, good mate, this is amazing, isn't it? What a testimony, I'm a faithful man. I says, see within 24 hours, God showed me the word he led me to your teaching. <coughs> Instantly. Right to his teaching. Started listening to Doc, couldn't get enough. Could not get enough. Listen to every, 
I, I know mere messages. I, I know. I can remember John MacArthur about his messages. And all fall who starts tumbling, doesn't it? Everything. You start to see everything. Because what's the Holy Spirit leading you? All truth. Start to see everything that's not right. Amazing. How good's God? Can I just close here by saying this? How good's God that even when you came here before that, that he must have knew that was going to happen? Don't you think that's amazing? That you maybe came here just at the, the brink of that, but yet you're here. Isn't that amazing? You've got to just praise God about that. You've just got to be astounded with that. So truly the church can testify. So somebody says, how can you testify of that? I'll say, I can testify of that, no problem. It's exactly what happened to this church. The word was found. The Holy Spirit led us to all truth. It's not just words. We've seen it in action. Incessantly, innit? See what I couldn't bear? See what I couldn't bear? Can you bear it? Isn't that interesting? See what you couldn't bear, you need to start able to bear it. Think of what you're able to bear now that you couldn't bear before, eh? Isn't that astounding? Because the Spirit's the vessel and the truth. It's the Spirit that does the work, no man. Sitting in meetings for months and years. Oh, how are we trying to get people better? Get them committed, get them devoted. Nothing. Nothing. All that carrying. I mean, I look at these men and Josiah and you've got carpenters and you've got this and you've got this and you've got all that carrying. Well, know the word. What about your life? You've got all that carrying. Well, clothed in man-made garments. She decked herself out with fine garments and jewelry, but me, she forgot. I mentioned it last week. All that doing, all that building. Without the word. Worthless. Totally worthless. Josiah wanted to build God's house and restore it. And God says, it's not my house if the word's no front and centre. You want to build my house? The word has to be front and centre. The house, it's all tinsel and baubles. It's only highlight the word. I remember the first time I went to... Grace Community Church and I'm walking through it if you've ever been wouldn't it be great if we could all go I'd be imagine us all arriving wouldn't it they'd be like what is this be awesome and everywhere I walked through the, the building all I could see was the word built that the word built that the word built that the word built that We'll just close with verse 14 and 15. He will glorify me for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. The Holy Spirit is no here to testify of man's achievements. Yeah? It's no here to testify of man's achievements nor man's ideas but to testify of who Jesus is, the whole counsel of God. Whatever Christ has done and all that Christ is, is what the Holy Spirit is here to testify of. All he's done and all he is, is what the Spirit will testify of. Nothing more and nothing less. And all he testify of is not just him, as the scripture says. It's not just him he's testifying of, it's the Father. Can't he separate the two? You can't he separate the three. The Holy Spirit therefore cannot operate, nor will any other message. How can the Holy Spirit have another message when he's the Spirit of the Father and the Spirit of the Son? If you see one acting like a head case, it's not the Holy Spirit. You see one acting, it's no God. See one acting, like, it's no. No Christ. 
You just need to simply ask, would Jesus or God act like that? Would Jesus act like that? Reading about, jumping about. Crazy Shabbat. Would, would Jesus act like that? Absolutely not. Therefore, that ain't the Holy Spirit that's working on you. That's another spirit. That's a whole other thing altogether. It's that simple. What's the Spirit's purpose? To give glory to Christ. To give, not to give glory to man, not to talk about man's achievements, but to bring glory to Christ. So therefore, see if Jesus hasn't been glorified. Just sometimes dead simple, the Holy Spirit. See if Jesus hasn't been glorified. It ain't the Holy Spirit. How then do we defend Scripture? How do we defend Scripture then? Be Scripture. How do you preach the Word? Be sharing other verses that add weight to the Word. No man's ideas. No some worldly experience. We preach the word. We cement the word. We grow the word. By line upon line, verse upon verse. This is why the men defended this, the inerrancy of scripture. All sufficient word for your life. We know that for you. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, the honour and says, the God-breathed word. Justin Peter said this, if you want to hear from God, read your Bible. If you want to hear from him audibly, just read it out loud. <laughs> it's the spirit will lead us to all truth. The truth is not found in man, carnal things, secular books. You can help you. It's no read in some Zen meditation, some chanting. It's found in the Word. And we know where we find freedom, didn't we? Because it says in John 8, we know the verse well. And Jesus said to those Jews who believed, If you abide in my Word, you are my disciples indeed, and what? You shall know the truth, and what will set you free? Why does truth set you free? Because you do what? You abide in the Word. See, true freedom comes for abiding in the Word. Nothing else. All truth leads to freedom. And the Holy Spirit is that source. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast here at Hope United Church. If you'd like to get in touch or for any more information, please visit www.hopeunited.org.uk.